Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking with the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, on this program. We're going to be talking about uh, the activities of the Secretary of State and, of course, the upcoming election and how you can be involved as a poll worker. But let me just share with you, we're 43 days out from the November 8th election, and so it's coming up quickly, and we want to uh, make sure that you're registered to vote. If you've moved or you know, changed, uh, uh, if you're a new resident to Ohio or if you've moved or need to update your voter registration, uh, you can do that uh, between now and November, uh, see, oh, excuse me, October the 9th is the uh, last Sunday, and I believe October the 11th is the voter registration deadline. So uh, you do have a little bit of time, but you want to be able to do that. Actually, at our website that links to the Secretary of State's website, we're going to talk about the great tools that are on the Secretary of State's website. You can actually register to vote online. And if you visit the Ohio Christian Alliance website, you'll see right at the top of the page, register to vote online by clicking here. And, of course, that takes you to the Secretary of State's website, and you can actually update your voter registration there. So if you've turned 18, for some of our younger listeners, or if you are a new resident to Ohio and haven't registered yet, or if you've moved in the last uh, year and you want to update your voter registration, you can do all of that on our website that links to the Secretary of State's website. And uh, that is at uh, Register to Vote Online by clicking here. But he's also going to share with you how to go directly to his website. Let's talk about uh, the voter guide. The Ohio Christian Alliance produces a nonpartisan voter guide. Uh, this is an educational voter guide to help you understand where the candidates stand on important issues, and that will be available on our website. You might want to check later tonight uh, or first thing tomorrow. You'll see the voter guide will be available, and you can actually uh, share that with family and friends. You can download it in a PDF. You can print it off, share it with members of your church. There will be some printed uh, voter guides available, and you can contact our office for those for your church as well, but the uh, online voter guide will be sent out in an email, also text messaging, so we've really made it easy this year. We'll actually have a little uh, flyer piece with a QR code that you can scan with your phone and actually view the voter guide that way, so it will be helpful to you and to those uh, in your network, and that's the Ohio Christian Alliance Educational Voter Guide, and of course, voter registration is open now until October the 11th, and then you want to make sure that you're registered and those around you and your family are registered as well. There's a very important election coming. Well, with that, let's go to our chief elections official in the state of Ohio. He has served us for the last four years. He will be on the ballot as a candidate for re-election, and that's Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Uh, Frank, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Chris. You're right to mention that election season is here. A lot of people don't realize, but in some ways, the election's already begun because it was almost a week ago that ballots started going out for our overseas and military personnel. So our brave men and women serving in the armed forces and overseas uh, have already started to get their absentee ballots. And so it's time to uh, get ready to make your voice heard as well. That's right. Of course, it takes some time for them to get those ballots back, and that's one of the things that you're constitutionally 
uh, duty-bound to do is to make sure that our men and women in military are able to vote. And of course, you take that very seriously, having served in the military yourself and having received one of those ballots while you were overseas. So uh, we're thankful for that. In fact, it's right on top of your website. It says, Voting Has Begun, Military and Overseas Ballots Shipping Out, September 23rd. And by the way, there's some great features on your website, uh, and we've made that a little easier on our website to give some quick links to people because I had to search a little bit. But once I found these tools, Mr. Secretary, these are really great features that you have. Uh, but before we talk about that, because we're going to talk about finding our districts, maybe we'll get to that first, because this last year, of course, after the 2020 uh, census, the maps had to be redrawn uh, here in the state of Ohio, and we had a new process of how we do that in Ohio with a redistricting commission. Uh, it had some ups and downs and bumps along the way for sure, but we finally did get our maps uh, to have our elections. We did have two primaries, one in May, one in August, and of course now our November 8th general election. Let's talk a little bit about that because there are new maps. Uh, we have those posted on our website. In fact, I'm glad I reviewed last night, our team did, uh, so you have a new color scheme and layout for these district maps. And I think it's easy for people to read, so walk us through that a little bit of how folks can look at their congressional district, the Ohio Senate district, and the Ohio House district maps that are on your website. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So we we really wanted to make it easy for people to understand the new districts. And so, in fact, our team pulled an all-weekend uh, work session after the maps were finally approved, and uh, and they stood up this tool on our website at voteohio.gov slash districts. As you mentioned, I think you can get to it from the Ohio Christian Alliance website, too. But the direct URL to take you there is voteohio.gov slash districts. And when you go there, you can find your Ohio uh, state legislative districts, so that's state house and state senate. You can find congressional districts, and you can also find your state board of education districts. And Chris, uh, your listeners know how important the state board of education is and how important local boards of education is are because of uh, the concerns that I think all of us have about making sure that our children are not being indoctrinated with, uh, you know, leftist mindsets and, and that kind of thing. So uh, those are things that you can do right there on the website. It's important for people to also understand the districts that candidates are running in this November will be the districts that those office holders serve in for the next two years, right? So if you elect a state rep or a state senator or a member of Congress this November, they will serve in those districts for the next two years. But thereafter, because of all the litigation and all the lawsuits, most of them from out of state that we've had to deal with with redistricting, uh, there's going to have to be another set of maps drawn. There's been some confusion about this among people. When that new set of maps is drawn, probably that'll happen in January or February, those maps will not take effect until after the 2024 for election. And so when there are new maps that, that get done in the spring or in the winter, uh, those will be for the 2024 primary and beyond. And so it's important for people to understand that. Well, we do have maps that we are voting on. Of course, we have 15 new congressional districts. We went down one. We went from 16 congressional districts to 15. It's not as if Ohio lost a lot of population. It's just that the southern states uh, some of those states grew faster than Ohio, so we did lose one congressional district. Of course, uh, New York did as well, and as well as California. People are leaving uh, those blue states of California and New York. 
uh, and heading uh, to more conservative states in the south as well. Some Ohioans are going down there for the weather, of course. Uh, but that said, we have new 15 new congressional districts. One of the great tools I like on your website, Mr. Secretary, of course, is finding my district. In fact, that was um, difficult even for me as I'm having new candidates reach out to me where I live, and uh, it's, it's new for them because the, the district maps were redrawn. So we put something on our website called Find My Districts, and again, it's linking right to your website, and all that folks have to do is put their address in at the top, and it will actually bring yep. up your congressional district, your Senate district, and your House district. Explain that to us. Yeah, it's really kind of cool. So it's just like I think most of us at this point have used Google Maps or Apple Maps to look up a location. You just type in your address, and it'll put a little pin right there where that address is. And then in the little panel off to the side, it has which House district, which Senate district, congressional, and uh, state school board district. And then you can zoom in and you can zoom out if you're a uh, a map uh, nerd like I am, you can kind of look in and see where the different lines go. It's kind of interesting how how those lines often follow those precincts and, and wards and, and that kind of thing. So you can see the shape of your district. You can see uh, really what uh, uh, what district you live in for state house, state senate, congressional, and state school board. It's a pretty handy little tool. Absolutely. And again, that's at uh, voteohio.gov. That's with the Secretary of State's website. And uh, you can get there and you click on the tool, find your voting district. And all you do is put your address in the, the uh, search bar there, and it will bring up all three districts, your new congressional district, your new Ohio Senate district, and your new Ohio House district. And so I found that to be a great help to me, and I know it will be to a lot of our folks. We'll be sending that out in our statewide email list and texting it to people as well, because I think that's just a great feature. Mr. Secretary, as we go into this election season, of course, um, you've worked on integrity issue, voter integrity issues across the state, of course, making voting accessible to all Ohioans that are eligible to vote, uh, but you also have worked on integrity issues. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Ohioans need to know that it's not only convenient, but it's honest, right? And, and, and so, yes, we like convenience. We want it to be easy to vote, but we also want to know that it's hard to cheat. And this is the balance that we strike in this office. And just to, to talk about the first one, it is undeniably easy to vote in Ohio. Anybody that says otherwise is just simply not telling the truth. We've got four weeks of early voting and absentee voting and in-person election day voting. If you don't vote in Ohio, you've just simply decided that it's not important to you, unfortunately. But we also make it hard to cheat. And it starts, by the way, with the way that we even organize elections. Everything in Ohio is completely bipartisan. It takes Democrats and Republicans to do anything at the Board of Elections. Even the building is bipartisan. There's two locks on the door. So you've got to have a Republican key that's only maintained by the Republican Party. And you've got to have a Democratic key that's only maintained by the Democratic Party to even get in the rooms where the voting machines are stored and where the tabulating equipment is. But it goes beyond that. The, the next thing that we really focus on is list maintenance, Chris. We want to make sure that our voting rolls are accurate. Now, this is something that is, by its nature, going to be an imperfect process because it is the definition of dynamic. That list is constantly changing. As we speak right now on the radio, people are turning 18, passing away, moving into the state, moving out of the state. And so that list is constantly in flux, maybe getting married and changing their name. All of those things require updates in the voter registration database. But I can tell you that Ohio does this better than almost any other state in a couple ways. One, we remove dead voters from the voter rolls on a monthly basis. 
basis. Many states don't do this, and that's why in some states, particularly like California and others, they have bloated voter, voter rolls. It shouldn't be controversial to remove deceased voters from the voter rolls, but we do that on a monthly basis. We also uh, inspect the voter rolls on a regular basis to make sure that only citizens are registered to vote. And I hope we get a chance to talk about issue two, because we want to make sure that only U.S. citizens can vote in elections in Ohio, and issue two does that. But we also work to remove people when they move out of state by updating their address with the National Change of Address database, that little postcard you fill out from the from the post office. And so list maintenance is another big part of it. Of course, we follow Ohio's law that says if you become inactive for six years, if you don't vote in elections for six years, then we remove you from the voter rolls. The next thing is, Chris, we have voting machines that are never connected to the internet. They're tested before each election. In fact, that's happening right now at boards of elections all throughout the state. They call it the logic and accuracy test. All it means is that there's a group of Republican experts and a group of Democratic experts that stand there and take the machines through their pre-flight checklist. It's a clipboard with a checklist of things they check out on each one of them. And then they put tamper evidence seals on them so that they can make sure they haven't been haven't been messed with or touched in the in the meantime. But that's not the final word either. I've had some people say we should get rid of voting machines altogether because they say, well, you can't cheat with paper. That's not true. If you ask Chicago in the 1960s, they will tell you that they found a way to cheat with paper, too. And so we have both in parallel. We use machines to give us the result on election night, and that's how we get that rapid result that people want to know. But then we go back three weeks later and we count the hard copy paper and we reconcile that against the electronic results. So we have two in, in, in parallel, the electronic result on election night and then the paper audit. And I was the first secretary of state in Ohio's history to order every election be audited. We go back and we audit that. And by the way, historically, we've had something like a 99% accuracy rate. In fact, the accuracy rate in 2020 was 99.98%. So Ohioans know they can trust their elections. And by the way, when people break the law, we refer them for prosecution. Just two weeks ago, I sent four individuals to the Ohio Attorney General so that they can be investigated and prosecuted because we believe they voted in multiple states. They voted in Ohio and in other states. And there are ongoing investigations at any time in our office looking for people that have broken the law. The good news is it's a small number, but we take it seriously. In 2020, we had, of course, an unprecedented uh, pandemic. And with that uh, came these extra drop boxes as people were voting remotely. We saw it around the country and other states. There was some of it here in Ohio where you had extra drop boxes uh, for folks with the absentee ballots. And there was great concern that those were being used for fraudulent purposes as there was a, you know, and Mr. Zuckerberg was providing, it seemed like, in goodwill uh, monies to local counties that would take money for additional voting drop boxes, but we have limits on that. Uh, to explain that now, how we've dealt with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in Ohio, to be clear, we've always limited that to only the county board of elections. So we were not allowing any outside group to provide additional drop boxes, although some tried to offer that. In fact, when some of those dollars showed up, we spent them on things like you know, the stuff that we had to buy anyway, like masks and hand sanitizer and all those things that we were told that we needed in 2020. We didn't want to waste taxpayer dollars on that stuff. So we used some of those other grant dollars that arrived. Unfortunately, you're right, though, in other states, they used it in a way that uh, uh, that, that caused some real concerns. So we've required, I've required that each county board of elections have the drop box under video surveillance 
and that it be emptied every day. We check those videos, but we also just recently uh, added an additional level of security by placing a sign on every drop box. So if you go to your county board of elections, say you want to drop off your, your ballot there, um, you'll see a sign there that, that makes it abundantly clear that only the voter or an immediate family member may use the drop box. It makes it clear that that box is under 24-7 video surveillance, so uh, you might as well smile while you're walking up because you're being, wa- you're being watched by the County Board of Elections and, in some case, the County Sheriff's Department. And then also that if you violate the laws, that it's a felony in Ohio, that election law violations constitute a felony, and those are things that we take very seriously. The other thing that we do in Ohio that is a big difference from other states is we don't mail out unsolicited absentee ballots. That is a foolish decision as far as I'm concerned, but some states have started sending people a ballot even if they didn't ask for one, and that is a recipe for disaster. We don't do that in Ohio. In fact, if you request an absentee ballot in Ohio, we make you prove your identity when you request it. You have to give your first name, last name, middle initial, date of birth, last four of your social, state driver's license number. All that information has to match up. If it does, and if your signature matches the signature on file, then we'll mail you an absentee ballot. But then when you mail your ballot back in or drop it off at the County Board of Elections, we make you validate all of those same pieces of information. So there's actually two identity checks when you vote absentee, and we check those, and we do scrutinize those signatures to make sure that they match the ones on file. Where things have gone wrong in other states is where they mail out absentee ballots to everybody and then allow ballot harvesting, which is a very dangerous practice. Thankfully, again, we outlaw that in Ohio, but in other states, they don't. They ought to follow Ohio's example and tighten up the way they do that. Very good. We're talking with Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and we're talking about the upcoming general election, midterm election of November 8th. And so uh, we encourage you to uh, vote. We encourage you to register and vote if you're not registered or need to update your voter registration. Mr. Secretary, let's talk about that because there is an online version for folks to register online, and it has its own safeguards. So walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you uh, visit VoteOhio.gov, you can register to vote right there. You can also update your address, which is important. Uh, Let's face it, a lot of us move. In fact, especially younger people. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. I think we moved five times in our 20s. That's not uncommon, right? And so we want to make sure that people have that way to update their address or to register to vote if they're not already registered. And let's remember this. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are thinking, well, I've been registered for years. Of course, I'm a registered voter. But you know somebody who's not. You know a family member, a friend, maybe one of your own children or grandchildren. If they're turning 18 this year, as long as they'll be 18 by Election Day, remind them to go to VoteOhio.gov or that neighbor that's just moved in to your community or maybe that person uh, who's a friend from church who just moved into the community remind them to get registered to vote. And you mentioned this earlier, the deadline is October 11th. The Ohio Constitution says you've got to be registered 30 days before the election. That means October 11th is the deadline. And there's a lot of ways to do it other than voteohio.gov if you don't want to use the website. And the website's easy. There's an instructional video there that sort of talks you through the process. And if you ever have any questions, you can call our hotline, 877-SOS-OHIO. There's a friendly group of people there that'll walk you through the process. But if you want to do it in paper, you can go to any library, any Bureau of Motor Vehicle locations. You can visit the Board of Elections. In fact, on the 11th of October, I've told them all to stay open late. They're all going to stay open until uh, 9 p.m. that night. 
And so if you work late or, or if you're you know busy with uh, other things, then you can always visit the Board of Elections up until 9 p.m. Uh, on October 11th. But whatever you do, make sure you get registered to vote before the deadline. We're talking with Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and the election is upcoming on November 8th. You can also register to vote on our website because we link to the Secretary of State's website. You can visit the Ohio Christian Alliance as well. Just click on that link at the top. Register to vote online by clicking here. It takes you right to the Secretary of State's website to register online or update your voter registration. So, Mr. Secretary, you sent out uh, to Ohio voters an application for absentee ballot. Again, different from what you said in other states where they actually send ballots to people unsolicited. You do not do that, and so there isn't any confusion here. You're only sending out application for absentee ballot of those who want to vote absentee. And again, there's a great vetting process that goes on, actually a, a double vetting process to make sure that those people are who they say they are. So those went out uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Explain that to our listeners. Yeah, so, and this is nothing new. This has been going on for more than a decade. Ohioans have actually come to expect it, uh, and it's been authorized by the state legislature. Uh, so we send out a form. All it is is a blank form. It just makes it that much easier. You get an envelope and you get a form. If you want to request an absentee ballot, you've got the form right there, so you can do it. Put your legal signature on there, last four of your social, state driver's license number, etc. And then starting on October 12th, the Board of Elections will start sending out those absentee ballots if you request one. But to, to, to reiterate, it's not a ballot. It's just the form to request a ballot. There's no special status to that form. In fact, parties and candidates tend to send those out as well. And again, that's protected First Amendment free speech. If the Ohio Republican Party or the Ohio Democratic Party wants to send out absentee ballot request forms, they can do that. And they often do. Some people find that confusing, though. And so we've tried to kind of discourage that because people will say, I received multiple absentee ballot requests. Well, just throw the ones away that you don't want to use. Some people try to send in multiples. You're only going to get one ballot. Uh, so don't waste the boards of elections time by sending in multiple absentee ballot requests because they they will only send you one ballot. Uh, but uh, it's just another great way to request your ballot. Chris, here's a tip, too. <clears throat> for a lot of uh, for a lot of voters, sometimes they have questions about judge candidates, maybe local school board races or other things that don't have a partisan affiliation on them. And when you vote absentee, you're allowed to cheat on the test. Now, I know you guys put out a great candidate guide and other groups do as well, but if you don't have your mind all made up or if you didn't print out or take a copy of that candidate guide and you go to vote in person, you may end up having to guess and nobody wants to be an uninformed voter. If you vote absentee, then you're allowed to cheat on the test. Lauren and I, we put our kids to bed. We'll sit there at our kitchen table and maybe flip open our laptop and maybe just spend 20 or 30 minutes researching these candidates or looking up the different levy uh, tax levies or, or ballot issues that are on the ballot. And when we seal that envelope and mail in our absentee ballots, we know that we were informed voters and cast a truly well, a smart that, ballot that really reflects our values. That's right. You have a great feature, what's on my ballot. We, we've run out of time, Mr. Secretary. Thank you for being my guest today. And... Uh, we wish you well. Of course, you'll be on the ballot yourself. And folks, we'll have all that information on our website at ohioca.org. What's on my ballot? And of course, the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide. Thanks for listening. And Mr. Secretary, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. If you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And we're glad that you've joined us for this edition of News in Focus. We're going to get an important update on the status of Ohio's heartbeat law. As many of you probably realize by now that a common pleas court in Cincinnati, Ohio, that's Hamilton County, has actually made a decision against Ohio's heartbeat law and put it on a 14-day stay. So uh, during these days, uh, over a week now or so, uh, the law has been suspended uh, by this common court in Hamilton County. For many of us who have been in the pro-life movement a long time, this is very strange to us because for 49 years, uh, the issue of abortion always had to work its way through the federal courts. But after the Dobbs decision, it really changed everything. Now it goes back to the states, and states like Ohio that had restrictions on abortion when a heartbeat is detected. Uh, For years, we called it the heartbeat bill that was working its way through the Ohio General Assembly, finally was passed and was signed into law by Governor DeWine. And then once the Dobbs decision came down, State Attorney General Dave Yost uh, filed a motion uh, in federal court because there was a stay or an injunction, rather, on the law, and then it went into enforcement in Ohio. Uh, Really, to the thrill of many of us who are pro-lifers, 
uh, because it basically shut down operations at most of the abortion clinics around the state. They actually had to uh, turn clients away. And we have some great testimonies as well as uh, the lives that already Ohio's heartbeat law was saving over these last three months. Well, the political left, Planned Parenthood, and these abortion uh, clinics like preterm in Cleveland have uh, moved legally in the county courts, courts of common pleas, to get to the state Supreme Court to try to get a favorable decision. Well, I, like you, am pretty much a layman when it comes to these things. That's why I've invited my good friend Mike Gonadakis, who is the president of Ohio Right to Life, to come on today, who is also an attorney and has followed this throughout and is going to explain this to us exactly where we are in the process. Mike, welcome to the program. Chris, thank you so much for having me. I believe it's the first time I've been on, and I'll tell you, it's an honor and blessing to be here. You've um, trailblazed this state and been a leader in the social conservative and Christian movement here in Ohio, and I know I've seen you spend days, weeks, months, and years at the state house advocating for life, our values, and freedom, and uh, it's just a blessing to be here, and I thank you for all that you've done and continue to do. Mike, thank you. Those are very kind words. I appreciate that, and it's always uh, been my privilege to partner with Ohio Right to Life, and you guys really have led the way on a lot of pro-life legislation. In fact, you and I were talking the other day how our former governor, Governor John Kasich, where we didn't agree with him on everything, he did mm -hmm. sign a lot of pro-life legislation into law. One of those pieces of legislation was the 20-week abortion ban, which is actually an enforcement right now. It's kind of the safety net as it were, because of Ohio's heartbeat law has been suspended by this common court of pleas, but the 20-week uh, law uh, stands, and that's uh, pretty much the, the, line, the line we're holding right now during this, uh, basically, this no-man's land type of legal maneuvering on both sides. Take us through that a little bit. Sure, you know, and you're absolutely correct, uh, Chris, in your analysis there. Currently, uh, while we do have the heartbeat law, a local judge down in Cincinnati, Cincinnati has invented, uh, for some reason, uh, which should come as no surprise to anyone on your listening to your program, um, that there may be a state constitutional right to an abortion. Now, you and I both know, and all your listeners both know, because we've all read the state constitution, nowhere in there is there a right to an abortion. Nowhere was there in the federal United States constitution either. Um, it's unfortunate uh, that the cases before this local judge in Cincinnati, because they forum shopped, who's they, Planned Parenthood, ACLU, they went and found the most sympathetic court to them. There's 88 counties, and they conveniently file all their stuff now down in Hamilton County, where the judges down there um, object to those values for which we hold dearly and the pro-life movement. But here's the, here's the thing, Chris. When the Dobbs decision came down on June 24th, 2022, you know, the Supreme Court didn't say abortion was legal or illegal. They just said it's nowhere in the United States Constitution. The issue of abortion should be settled at each state's legislative body and then enforced through the executive branch. What, what has happened here today is, is a complete prostitution of that United States Supreme Court decision, because what a local judge in Cincinnati said is, well, I don't care what the Dobbs decision said. I'm going to I'm going to pretend I'm the Supreme Court and I'm going to put a stay on the heartbeat bill. Now, he didn't rule the heartbeat bill to be unconstitutional. He has not ruled yet that there is a state constitutional right to an abortion. But what he has done is, as you said earlier, uh, just to reiterate, there is a, a short term stay on the law, so it can't be enforced right now. We're going to live under the uh, the pain-capable 20-week ban right now until the parties, in this case, the state of Ohio, our great AG, Dave Yost, is defending the law. 
and Planned Parenthood are going to debate this issue in front of the judge. And just this afternoon, today, some breaking news, he extended that stay until October 7th when the court hearing actually takes place. Um, so it's a little bit longer than four. It's going to be a little bit longer than 14 days. But rest assured, my friend, and to all your listeners out there, this is just a moment in time. Because on June 24th, not only does the Dobbs decision come out, but a federal court judge down in Cincinnati, who has always ruled against us down there, uh, Judge Barrett, federal court judge, that is, uh, lifted the stay um, on our heartbeat law so it could go into effect. So we had the United States Supreme Court, a federal district court judge, and um, rule one way. And now we have this local judge uh, about or on the precipice of ruling another way. It's unfounded, and we will ultimately prevail. I stress to your listeners, look, we want to end abortion yesterday. Uh, don't get me wrong, but while we are maneuvering through this process, this will ultimately get to the Ohio Supreme Court. And I firmly believe the Ohio Supreme Court will rule at some point in the near future. I'm not talking years from now, but months from now at most, that there is no constitutional right to uh, an abortion in the Ohio Constitution. We just need to get through this season in time. Well, that's right. We're talking with Mike Gonadakis. He is the president of Ohio Right to Life. Mike, as we think about the election upcoming on November 8th, it's critical that people get out and vote for pro-life justices. This is so important. And we think about Justices DeWine, Justice Fisher, and Justice Kennedy, who are Republicans, all pro-life, are uh, up for election on November 8th. Now, for the first time, uh, the Ohio Christian Alliance will be putting in the voter guide uh, the party affiliation, because that was the law that passed by the Ohio General Assembly. At least we can indicate which ones are Democrats and which ones are Republicans. And as a two-party system right now, you know, it, it is really difficult to find a pro-life Democrat. They're, they're very few and far between, really remote, like a needle in a haystack. But on the Republican side, they have pledged to the pro-life cause and these justices have. Now, I know that uh, So the, uh, your organization actually endorses uh, in the races. Have you endorsed in the uh, judge uh, Supreme Court races? We have, and we have a political action committee, a federally filed uh, political action committee, and we and the PAC has endorsed Justice Kennedy. Justice DeWine and Justice Fisher, uh, based on their responses to our survey, number one. But more importantly, they had those three justices were on the Ohio Supreme Court a few years ago. We had two abortion-related cases before them, and they ruled in the pro-life favor. So not only do we have their answers to responses, but we have a record that we can look at. Not only always do you get record voting records, I guess not voting records, but decisions from ju uh, judges or justices in Ohio on these issues. And yet we do for Fisher, DeWine, and Kennedy. And all three of them ruled in favor of the pro-life movement on two matters within the past four years. Um, and um, I can tell you, I know them personally, and my wife and I, and everyone that we know are voting for Kennedy, Fisher, and DeWine. This is so important, folks, that you understand where these people stand on the life issue, because the heartbeat law will make its way to the Ohio Supreme Court. And if just one of those seats uh, is given to one of the Democrats that's pro-choice or pro-abortion, um, you could basically say goodbye to Ohio's heartbeat law because it will go down. So that's how critical this uh, election is for the Ohio Supreme Court. And I know, Mike, you know, for you and I and listeners who have been in this fight for a long time, it's so hard for us to wrap our heads around that it's state courts that are going to be making decisions, important decisions on abortion, for decades, that was not the case. It was always in federal court because of Roe back in 1973. So any challenge to that had to make its way through 
incrementally, uh, it uh, causes and and petitions had to make their way through the federal courts. And, and in fact, if you tried to file at a, at a um, local court, they would refer you to the federal courts because they said it's not our jurisdiction because of Roe is, is precedent and that type of thing. So, you know, it's just, it's a new day. It's a glorious day with the decision of Dobbs, but it's also a day that we better get to work because we have a lot of work to do here in Ohio. And I think people are starting to wake up to that fact. And I know that folks have been through a long struggle in the pro-life movement to get to this place of the fall of Roe v. Wade. But what it has done is opened up a whole new arena in which we have to be engaged, one, with women who are going to need help and, and making that decision for life. And, they're, and so the crisis pregnancy centers are up to speed and ramping up to help women and, and actually uh, helping build families, because sometimes it's a couple that is not knowing what to do. And I hear some great testimonies coming out of these crisis pregnancy centers around the state and that a family is born. And so it's a wonderful thing. And so Christians, uh, pro-lifers are going to have to step up and get engaged with these people who are facing uh, these challenges in their life when they normally would have gone for an abortion. It had been a terrible mistake and haunted them the rest of their lives. They're going to have an opportunity for life. And we're providing that through the law, through legislation that will protect the unborn and uh, really safeguard many people from harm of what abortion actually does. So we're talking with Mike Gonadakis. He is the president of Ohio Right to Life. Mike, there's a great uh, pro-life cause coming up here on October 5th at the State House. It's March for Life, which people normally see in Washington, D.C., is now coming to the states, and there's going to be one in Columbus on October 5th. That's a Wednesday. Uh, It'll be in the morning and early afternoon. Tell us a little bit about March for Life in Ohio, October 5th. We're super excited, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity to share this with all your listeners. You know, as you said, on Wednesday, October 5th, here in Columbus, in our state's capital, on the on the grounds of our state's capital, facing High Street, we are going to have a uniquely large rally for life with Buckeyes from all four corners of our state here to advocate that we are no longer the silent majority. We are Ohio, and we vote, and we're, this will be about 30 days out from the election, and we're going to proudly display and we're um, our belief system and our values there on the life matter and other matters. It starts at 10 a.m., Chris. We're going to have a, a worship band at 10 a.m. at the State House on the steps outside. At 11, the rally will begin, and we're going to have some great speakers lined up from different organizations. And Alveda King will be our keynote speaker. She will be there as well. We're oh, that's wonderful. Have... I love it. Yeah, she was at a, a banquet in Ashland at the Crisis Pregnancy Center there the, earlier this year with Melanie Miller and Matt Miller, and that was a wonderful event. What a great testimony that she has. She's a wonderful testimony for life. That's so so excited to hear that she'll be a keynote. She will be the keynote for us. We're excited. And the march begins at noon. And we're going to walk the streets of downtown Columbus in front of our Capitol for all to see our our strength in numbers. And uh, we'd love to see every person there, of course. But some people have to work. They have family and other obligations. And um, But we are going to have a tremendous turnout. We're excited. This is the first one we've done. We've partnered with a lot of great groups out there, too. So it's exciting. We're going to have a banquet that night. We'd be in Ohio Right to Life. So it's an opportunity to celebrate life. Um, and do it very publicly on display 
play on the steps of our state's capital. We'll have a lot of elected officials from the state house. You know, we've invited uh, the attorney general, the governor, and so many others too. So we'll look forward to seeing the lineup there. But it's going to be an awesome celebration. We'll still go to D.C. in January, but we'll have a little bit better weather here in October for us to march in the great uh, Buckeye State. For that's for sure. But we're super excited for it, and we hope all your listeners can attend. Come on down to Columbus. It starts at 10 a.m. The rallies at 11, and as I said, the uh, actual march begins at noon. So it's going to be a great day for Ohio for all to see, and we believe the media will cover us. You know, I've reached out to all the statewide newspapers and television channels and challenged them to be there, and I believe most of them will be. Um, they attend all the others for the pro-abortion side, so uh, we believe we'll have a great turnout. So all all are welcome. There's no fee. It's free. It's free. You know, you just got to get there. Got to get to Columbus. Maybe grab your church group and caravan down and uh, come on down and join us. That is October the 5th at 10 a.m. for a worship service and then to be followed by a rally and then a March for Life in downtown Columbus. It's March for Life, Ohio, folks, and this is our opportunity. That is a Wednesday. Make plans to attend. The Ohio Christian Alliance will participate. We'll be encouraging our folks to come from all across the state. This is a time to rally for life. It will be in advance of the November 8th election, of course. And it's so important that we show our support for life and for the unborn. This is a time to do it. The political left has basically been jeering at us, and they've been poking us, and they have the Columbus Dispatch to basically send out their message, folks. And yes, so we, we must lift up this banner for life. And the only way to do that is to gather in numbers. And so, Mike, I'm, I'm praying that we have thousands that show up on October the 5th down there in Columbus. People need to come out now more than ever. We fought all these years, 49 years against Roe v. Wade. It fell this year. We need to celebrate in Ohio. We need to celebrate the cause for life. And even now, as the debate is raging uh, about the heartbeat law, we need to uh, show solidarity among the life groups. I'm so glad to see the uh, collection of the, those from all around the state that are joining to help in this March for Life. So uh, it's going to be a Amen. great time, folks. And in fact, at our website and also at Ohio Right to Life, you will see uh, information about the March for Life again on October 5th. Well, Mike, let's talk about you know how this is going to play out with this judge in Cincinnati. Now, I know that let's the attorney. That. The Attorney General is pretty quiet on this, and rightly so, because he's basically the lead attorney for our side, representing the state of Ohio. As the legislature passed the heartbeat law, Governor DeWine signed it into law. State Attorney General Dave Yost is our lead attorney. And so, um, actually, he's deferred not to come on the program at this time because they're planning their legal strategy to support Ohio's heartbeat law. So this judge, as you said today that he has extended this stay. And, and by law, as a common pleas judge, he can only do that once. So he had a 14-day stay. He can extend it once. Then he either he has to make a decision on the case or put an injunction. So walk us through what happens at that point if the state attorney general then challenges the injunction or appeals it. How does that work? Sure. So I, I, it's very important for all your listeners to know, and I'm not fear-mongering, I'm being very, very honest, that this judge could rule that there is a constitutional right to an abortion in the Ohio Constitution, and therefore, every law we have on the books in Ohio, from parental consent to 24-hour waiting period, from our late-term ban, and our heartbeat law, everything is null and void. So we could have a moment in time where Ohio is no different than New York 
or California, which ha- which their laws in both of those states have abortion on demand up to and through the ninth month of pregnancy, no limits, no restrictions. That could happen by this local judge with his ruling. Um, of course, Davios will appeal it vigorously, but it's ultimately going to have to get to the Ohio Supreme Court. So that's what's at stake here. This is, um, you know, this isn't just an administrative hearing that we have at the local level. This will impact the entire state of Ohio, and we will have to be ready for whatever comes down the pike. Because if this judge rules that there is a state constitutional right to unfettered access to an abortion, all of our laws would go away. All of them would here in Ohio. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as a layman in the law. How can a common pleas uh, judge make a decision outside of his uh, jurisdiction of Hamilton County that affects the entire state? How is that happening? Well, uh, there are court cases that say a common police judge's decision only applies to the county for which he resides in. Others would say that any other uh, county similarly situated. And let's keep in mind, Chris, all the abortion clinics in Ohio are not located in red counties. They're in, you know, Cuyahoga County, Cleveland. There's one in Summit County, Akron area, where you're at, up in there. Franklin County, where I am here, Columbus, Hamilton County, Cincinnati, and then Montgomery County, Dayton. There's only, and then one more, Lucas County, Toledo. So there's, what, five counties out of 88 in Ohio that have actual surgical abortion clinics. And with this judge's ruling, a common police judge in those four other counties can adopt that same ruling for that county. It doesn't matter what the other 83 judges, uh, common police judges do in other counties. So we could have a patchwork. Well, Mike, I didn't know that it was it would extend beyond the heartbeat law, possibly, if he was to make this decision. This is uh, Justice Jenkins down there in Hamilton County. If he was to make a decision saying that it's a constitutional right in the state constitution by his interpretation, by his uh, judgment, how would that affect then the 20-week ban and all the other pieces of legislation that we've accomplished and, and passed over the last number of years? How would it affect those pieces of legislation? Well, you know, the, the, just we don't know, we don't know yet. So we have to read the judge's opinion that ultimately come down. But he could rule uh, and and make wide, you know, very uh, wide sweeping claims that the Constitution says X, and therefore everything is null and void, and everything, Chris, from the pro life perspective, that is. Um, of course, we would appeal it immediately. We, being Dave Yost, um, would immediately. But the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals here in Ohio, because we have Court of Appeals in Ohio too, um, and that those judges there are not favorable, which which demonstrates how important it is that we're not only we don't only vote for the governor and the you know, United States Senate, but the judges, our local judges. We have to vote for the good pro life judges. Yeah, we have to vote for Kennedy, uh, Dewine, and um, Fisher. We just have to do it. Um, and, and because th- these judges would impact our ability to save lives. So it could, I mean, that is worst case scenario, but it could happen. You know, look in Kansas, a state that's got tremendous number of great social conservatives like we do in Ohio. The Kansas state Supreme Court mysteriously found a, a constitutional right to an abortion there. And that's what the law of the land is now. And it circumvents the legislature and the governor. So the only way now the great pro-life Kansas can uh, reverse that is to go to ballot and, and, you know, identify millions of dollars to get on the ballot. You know, Chris, these things are expensive. Yes, you have they to get are. Signatures. You have to run a campaign. You have to get on TV, radio, and so on and so forth. So um, what we have is uh, judicial activism, not just at the federal level, but at the state and local level, too. Um, so that's, what, that's what's at stake here. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor a struggle to preserve our republic 
our religion and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Mike, thank you for this update. This is so important, and we're breaking news here uh, tonight ladies and gentlemen, and, and Mike, thank you for sharing this, of how serious this all is right now, and prayers for our State Attorney General, uh, pray, prayers for uh, this situation with the, the heartbeat law in Ohio and the cause for life, and folks, pray and vote. Get out on November 8th, and if you're not registered to vote or if you've changed addresses since the last time you voted, and you're really not sure, you can register to vote on our website. We're going to give you links to the Secretary of State where you can register to vote online. And so you could visit the Ohio Christian Alliance website for that. Uh, the deadline is October uh, 11th uh, for voter registration, and we are conducting Citizenship Sundays in our churches now through October 9th. So if you want to do a voter registration effort at your church, encouraging people at your church to uh, vote. You can uh, download the information on our website, includes a voter registration form, application for absentee ballot, and all the information you'll need to conduct a successful voter registration effort at your church. So there's still time. Ask the pastors, print out the forms, and say, hey, can I set up a card table out there, make an announcement, and I'll register folks to vote. And I'm sure enough, he'll say yes. So folks, listen, uh, be in prayer. And Mike, thank you so much for all the great work you do with Ohio Right to Life. We'll be there on October 5th for the March for Life. Give us the details of that again real quick. Yeah, Wednesday, October 5th, we'll start at 10 a.m. We'll have an amazing celebration. We'll have prayer. We'll have a rally for life. We will be come together as one and with one loud voice proclaim uh, that Ohio is a pro-life state. Thank you so much for being my uh, guest today, my friend. God bless you and all the work you do. God bless you, Chris. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.